Hey guys. So, while this is the Thursday episode, um, by the time most of you listen to it, or it gets published rather, this will actually be Friday. <laughs> Yay, Alaska time. But um, as the episode title indicates, it's been a pretty rough 24 hours, and um, you're gonna hear my baby sound machine in the background. Hopefully you won't hear babies, though. Um, they're asleep. It's about 9 p.m. Alaska time, and uh, this oral whole ordeal started at about 10 p.m. last night. I got a call from my ex um, saying that uh, my son Miles was choking, and I could hear him in the background gasping for air just these huge draws or attempts at draws of breath and such restriction and obstruction and because of how severe um, it sounded and it was and it came out of nowhere um, he just heard it all of a sudden he was upstairs Um, my son's room was downstairs and he'd been in bed for a while it was assumed he was asleep and all of a sudden these huge gasps started happening and he ran downstairs and because it happened out of the blue he assumed that he somehow swallowed something so he called me and I ran him through you know what I know with my um you know incident assessment skills from my several years as a lifeguard and I mean he did everything clean sweep checking the airway pass on the back like all of the things and his breathing just got worse so after we tried everything in my bag of tricks I told him to call 911 and while I was on the phone with him still even I was packing up the babies <laughs> so at this point um I'm not on the phone with him anymore um because he's on the phone with emergency services and I've got the babies in the car, and we're heading over to his house, which is probably easily 20 minutes away from me. And I'm I'm doing like 80 <laughs> most of the way there, and I'm praying, probably because my upbringing was very Christian, Episcopalian, and I never missed a weekend of Sunday school. <laughs> and um, my grandmother, who was my very favorite human being, um who was literally the epitome. She was just kindness personified and goodness and a believer, you know, to the bone, but the most open soul. She loved everybody and you weren't going to tell her otherwise. So she passed away uh, a little over two years ago. And so I'm basically begging God on the way over because I don't know if it's gotten worse, gotten better. I don't know what's happened. And it's like a 15-minute ride even with me speeding like that. So I'm begging and pleading and I'm shaking and I'm trying really hard not to cry so I can see the road. <laughs> and it was 10.30 at this point while I'm on the road. And so here in Alaska, it's almost 24 hours of sunlight. So the sun's just starting to dip below the mountains. It's still quite light out, but there were just clouds everywhere and pinks and purples and it made me horrifyingly uneasy it was heavenly to pick a word and that made me panic (laughs) and so while I'm talking to God and begging him to 
look after my Mai. I started talking to my grandma, too. Ever since she passed away, that's something my mom and I do a lot. We talk to her. And um, I'm asking her for help. And I I swear to God, <laughs> I look, something catches my eye out the left side window while I'm driving. And I look over, and it is the boldest rainbow I've seen ever and the only rainbow I've ever seen in Alaska. The way the storm systems work here, they just don't happen very often. There's so many mountains, different weather systems get stuck, but there it was, this big bright rainbow in this background of like ambient clouds and pink and purple. And so the rainbow thing is a big deal because not only is it the only one that I've ever seen in Alaska, but the first song my grandmother ever taught me how to play on a piano was Over the Rainbow. And that was my introductory introduction to piano and scales and music. And that kind of set the trajectory for my love of music. Um, and the other half of the Over the Rainbow song is like, that's her song. Um, she loved that song. And I was Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz in my senior year's production of The Wizard of Oz. And it's I think it's been her favorite thing I've ever done. So... To have that happen was just incredible. When I saw it, I remember thinking, okay, well, something's been decided. I know this sounds woo-woo as hell, just follow me through this. But it's like, okay, something is going on. Either something really good or something bad, but something is going on. And as I was driving, I felt myself calm down more. I don't know why. And instead of panicking... I focused and I went as fast as I could to the house. I beat the ambulance, if that tells you anything. And I went inside and um, he was still gasping for air. I could hear him. The first responders, I think it was like fire, uh, got there first. And he's, I got into the room and my ex is there and there's three other gentlemen around my son trying to get him oxygen and and just ascertain what happened and what can be done and um he's all red-faced and his lips are quivering and boogers everywhere and I make eye contact and I'm still keeping it together and I like I do a little smile because I don't want to be inappropriate for the situation but I also wanted to bring calm so I was just like, I just said, hey, my, my, and I stood behind his dad and where I was still in eyesight, but I also know better than to be in the way of paramedics, regardless of how important you are to the patient. Um, and then the ambulance got there and they immediately whisked him out and, you know, kudos to my ex. There was no fight over who was going to go with him to the hospital. It was me. So I get in the ambulance with him and, um. He's just terrified at this point. He's angry and he's scared. And um, he was so good, though. Like, for being neurotypical, there was no kicking and screaming. There was no kind of, like, survivor's uh, fury, if you will. You know, sometimes when we feel like we're backed into a corner and, like, when huge stressors are happening... He just did none of that. He, I mean, he wasn't happy, but he let them help him. And um, so we're in the ambulance, 
and I still pretty much got it together and they're asking me, you know, date of birth and allergies and medical conditions and all the stuff they're supposed to ask. And then one of the EMTs asks me, what is he like? And that's when I lost it. How dumb is that? And I said, Sesame Street, because it's literally the only thing that my kids will watch. They're not interested in any other videos or shows. And so I go Sesame Street and I said, you know, do you have a smartphone? He said, yeah, well, you can play videos and sit right here. And and we did. And I played all the songs, obviously, because they love music. And he calmed right down. I mean, the wheezing was still intense, but it wasn't, it didn't sound like, you know, active drowning anymore. It was a 15-minute ride to the hospital, and everybody's reassuring me that he's okay. And I know logically he's okay. I'm still able to use, like, the analytical part of my brain where it's like, okay, his color is at least red, not blue. You know, his they told me his oxygen levels were high, which was good. You know, he was responsive and alert and, you know, all of the things that you look for to make sure that there isn't, like, imminent threat or you know, serious damage happening. So I knew that it wasn't good, but he was okay in that moment. And um, we got to the hospital and we got whisked into the room and there was about a dozen people waiting for us. And because of COVID, they're in full hazmat. Like, what looks like gas masks and visors and gowns and gloves and I can't walk like right next to my mind they've got him on the gurney so he just whisks into this room of what looks like alien surgeons and um they assess and they ask what happened and all that they they do what they do and um they did four x-rays on him to try and find the foreign object and they couldn't see anything uh so they decided to try and nebulize her treatment um steroids uh, shot in the leg like all that stuff and wait and see what happened and within it took a while but probably within 45 minutes an hour of the nebulizer um he was breathing much much better at the end of two hours he was breathing like normal and so the consensus was that um it was the group and that his airway had been kind of restricting slowly all day long, probably for two days, and that he was still breathing, so it didn't bother him, didn't bother him, didn't bother him. And then when he laid down to go to bed, it just closed to the point where he was making those, I believe they call it strident breathing, strider breathing, um, strider, don't come for me, I don't know the name, but it sounds something like strider. <clears throat> and that was the, um, the frantic gasps. Uh, when he wasn't doing anything and um this poor kid he has little you know popped capillaries all around his eyes from the multiple adult men who tried to dislodge something from his throat with um what's the word back uh, smacking his back um having you know, people try and help him throw up, like, just the whole poor kid went through it, and there wasn't anything in there, it just, it sounded to everybody like there was something stuck in there, um, and we were at the hospital until about four o'clock in the morning, (laughs) and then my ex came and got us, and we just all stayed over it, 
his place because whenever something bad happens that's kind of what we choose to do as a family we just like to get into the bunker together and just not cause drama and just make sure that the kids are okay we have so many kids we just like have to you know um and then I think I I couldn't sleep after that my anxiety was just through the roof and I was mad and sad and anxious and it was like all of the feelings that I didn't process while it was happening were just like hitting me and to be honest with you I'm really shocked that I was able to handle it the way that I was because I'm so such an empathetic person and because these are my babies that we're talking about I always kind of wondered in the back of my head in a crisis situation involving them how I would be but I heard how frantic my ex was and he's a veteran he's ex-military he's actually brilliant in a crisis he has saved his father's life before while having a seizure he has um, seizure disorder himself there's been multiple times where I've been very glad that he's been around when shit hit the fan and with this he was stuck in fear and chaos and that's not a criticism it's actually a testament to how much he loves his son because it was hard for him to pull it together and I heard that in his voice on the phone and one of my (laughs) superpowers is being quick and skilled in shoving everything that I am experiencing down to help other people it's like my experience doesn't exist until everybody else is okay it's just this instinct that I have um there's all sorts of awful things that come with that but we don't need to get into that now so um it was just a rough night for everybody I don't think my ex slept much either um and so when I woke up at 6 30 on the couch and Samuel who was just oblivious to the whole situation woke up ready to play it hurt (laughs) my body hurt my brain hurt my eyes hurt and um then I got we uh did breakfast with some of the kids Miles slept through the morning so we just let him do his thing and then uh the babies and I got into the car to leave and I had gone the whole trip already on empty because <laughs> like hell was I gonna stop and get gas when this was going on uh even though me running out of gas between here and his house would have been horrible but I turned the car on and the gas gauge doesn't even move <laughs> like it doesn't even get up close to the E it's just it's just dead it just stays there and that's when I like super lost it because I didn't have my wallet. I'd left it at home. I thought turns out it was in a different vehicle, but uh, so I didn't have my wallet. My car was on empty, empty and the nearest gas station was six miles away, I think. or Something like that. Um, and that's when I lost it. I was just like, I have no money. <laughs> all this crap is hitting the fan again and again and again and again we're just going through it right now but everybody's going through that I understand going through it I understand it was just this is just one of those things where I don't have like this bright 
I had, there's no lesson to this story. I'm just telling you what my past 24 hours have been like. And I guess what I learned about myself in it, um, I learned that my grandmother is legit my guardian angel. I learned that I'm much better under pressure with my kids than I thought I would be. And that brings me great comfort. And I learned I, I, I am much more of a comfort to my sons than maybe I gave myself credit for. Mom, I calmed down so much with me being there. And I wasn't sure what kind of effect I was going to have. Oliver and I have been clicking really well lately, but Miles has been a, a tougher nut for me to crack. <laughs> so being able to be there for him and very visibly and obviously see that I was making him feel safe was such a gift for me we don't need to do this again anytime soon if ever but if I am able to pull the silver linings out of it which I always try to I'm far enough away from it now he's fine he's been fine all day where I can look back at a situation genuinely not forcing it and um, think about how things went down objectively. So, <clears throat> my goodness, I knew I was gonna get emotional while talking about this. I debated putting this off till tomorrow, but I wasn't gonna. It wasn't gonna be any easier to talk about tomorrow. And this way, I'm still keeping promises to myself, which is kind of the point of this little experiment right now. Um, that and using my experience to help anybody going through similar situations so that was terrifying it was easily the scariest night of my life aside from perhaps I don't know it's neck and neck it was scarier no it was scarier um but when I was I think 30 weeks pregnant with the tinies um I just like randomly one night lost my vision and my blood pressure was through the roof it wasn't that everything was black. It was that uh, it looked like, you know how when you look at snow, sunshine on the snow, if any of you live anywhere where there's snow, and it's so bright when you go back inside or if you look outside for about 30 seconds and then try and readjust your vision to being indoors, it takes a while for your, your sight to come back. That's what it was like. So I could like see stuff, but I couldn't truly see anything. If I had had to drive, I would have crashed and died so um at 30 weeks pregnant that was terrifying with blood pressure that for me was sky high but it passed I um just really worked on calming myself down and it passed but this was right up there this definitely surpassed it but that was scary too but um and my babies are young so I only have <laughs> more of these instances to look forward to but yeah, lots of little lessons from this one. Um, I can't say I'm grateful for it yet or if I will ever be, but I learned from it for sure. And I'm okay with it because my baby's okay. That's legitimately all that matters. So I think I've hit rambling now. I'm uber exhausted. So please just <laughs> forgive any just verbal vomit that may have gotten sprayed on you in the past the last section of this episode uh on that note 
I'm gonna go. But um, thank you for listening and um, subscribe, share. I'm I'm not sure I'd share this one, <laughs> which is not when you're supposed to say when you're a podcast host. But this one scares some people. I don't know. Use me as a cautionary tale if you must. Um, but if you want to review the podcast, that's always super helpful too. If you want um, to talk about anything with me, you can always DM me over. I was told Jack and yeah that's about it thanks guys and there'll be another episode up tomorrow so stay tuned